Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Today is Sunday, April 3rd, 2022. It is a bright, sunny day. It is like summertime here in Israel. It is hot, hot, hot. We are feeling it. And, um, you know, it's funny. I sit here with my heater next to me from last week, and it's like complete change. Israel has no spring. There's just, there was no, there was no gradual uh, move into um, summer. Just Pitom all of a sudden happened. Um, I was going to talk about my week quickly before we introduce our guest. I was in the hospital all last week in Soroka Hospital. My daughter had very low iron and she was rushed there um, on doctor's orders to the emergency room. Um, and it was it was pretty bad. Soroka Hospital is the biggest hospital covering all of the South. And it's basically a bunch of Arabs. And this was days after the uh, terror attack in Beersheba. And I'm not going to say we were scared. We're never scared. My daughter wasn't scared, but it was just so bizarre, you know, um, being there among these Arabs. Look, doctors and nurses are Arabs. Patients are Arabs, mostly. I mean, I don't even think it was 50% Jewish. But that is Beersheba. Beersheba is an Arab city. We all live together. We all get sick together. We all go to the same hospital. Um, you know, the hospital in general, everything just moves so slowly. It doesn't matter how good the care is. Everything's just so slow. You just want to get out of there. You know, you just, want, you just want to say, yeah, yeah, we feel better and get out of there. And, you know, some of those kids are really, really sick. And they have a theater there and they have a little school there. And a lot of, a lot of um, volunteers coming around, giving out schoolwork, giving out treats, giving out games. There was a medical clown. It was amazing um, how much you know, they, they have going on there. So uh, that was an experience, but we were there two nights and I'm glad that was it. And my daughter is back in school and she just has to take iron and, um, you know, just eat better. Thank goodness that's all it was. So we have a great show for you today. Very interesting uh, guest from, I believe, Winnipeg. And we will be right back, introduce him right after these messages. The return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel was prophesied in the Bible thousands of years ago and is coming true today. Shalom. Join me, Josh Wander, on Israel Unplugged. Listen in as we delve into the spiritual and physical aspects of the Jewish return to Zion. We'll discuss the biblically mandated, historic, and of course practical understandings of this incredible transition from exile to redemption. That's Israel Unplugged, every Monday on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. Uh, while we're waiting for our guest to come on the line, I did not mention the um, terror, the week of terror, the wave of terror 
that has been tearing across Israel. Um, I just wrote it up for our newsletter for Hatzalah, Logvolot. As you all know, I'm very involved with them, and they are on the scene for these attacks. And the most recent one was very close to me. It was in Gush Etzion, right outside Neve Danielle. Um, and the, the uh, passenger, Arab passenger, got on the bus and started stabbing people with a screwdriver. Now, you know, we're all now supposed to be very alert and aware, carry our weapons. Um, and, you know, we don't really have time for this, to be honest with you. Like, nobody has time for this. It is Pesach time, people. We have to buy new dresses. We have to clean. We have to shop. We do not have time to worry about terrorists. You know, it's <laughs> it's really bad timing. But pretty amazing because we we really do feel that way we just go on and it is horrible what goes on here and um we just bear down and move on with our lives and like suck it in you know it's just awful it really is awful that uh nothing really has changed in all these years since getting our land in 1967 nothing's really changed okay we have our guest i will tell you about him his name is evan helte Evan made Aliyah with his wife and children in 2015. He is um, a Canadian, born in Winnipeg, and moved here to Ramot Bet, which is a neighborhood outside of Yerushalayim. Um, he runs an online business and so was able to make a smooth Aliyah. And he's going to tell us all about what actually got him over here. So, Evan, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Wonderful. I hope you can hear me. I hear you, but get as, yourself as close to the microphone as you can. I think I'm pretty close. If it's problematic, I can switch off my uh, my Bluetooth and just go directly to the phone if you prefer. Um, that's our producer's call. Uh, all right, let's just let's just talk. Why don't you tell us and let's take it back a little bit. I, I did a quick introduction. Um, of your Aliyah in 2015 from Winnipeg. You were, I didn't say anything about your religiosity, but I know you were not raised a religious Jew and you didn't come here uh, on the yeshiva plan like so many others. Uh, why don't you take us to how, um, you know, how you ended up coming to Israel? Sure, happy to, uh, to walk you through it. So I grew up in Winnipeg. And then I lived in a few different cities. I lived in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. I lived in Calgary, Alberta. And then I moved to Toronto. And it's from Toronto that, Toronto is where I met my wife. And from there we made Aliyah. So that's the, uh, the order of locations for me. So I've lived, in, I've lived in a few spots. And you're right, we live in Lamont, which is a suburb of Jerusalem. Uh, it's, it's a northern district of Jerusalem. So from our home, we look at the south side of Jerusalem. So I look towards, for example, the String Bridge, um, and we're on a, a beautiful sort of forested hillside um, looking towards the city. People may have seen it if they've been to Jerusalem and driven in from on the number one highway. Uh, driving into Jerusalem, you would see it on your left. Of course, driving out of Jerusalem out towards Tel Aviv or uh, the Merkaz, you would see it on your right. You see what on your right? The, the bridge? You see the neighborhood of Ramot. Whoa, Ramot is on your left when you're driving towards... Yeah, if you're driving, if you're driving from on the one, you'll, you'll see, you'll see it on your left-hand side. I, sure, you know, sure. We I all know, know Ramot. Ramot is actually considered Jerusalem. I mean, your address is Jerusalem. People think they live in Jerusalem. It's Ramot. It's different. It's, what, 15 minutes away, but it's very built up. Um, so, so you're right. If, if you go years back, and I don't know the exact date 
um, but it became part of Jerusalem proper. If you go back, you know, I think it's maybe 20 years or so, it was a separate community. Uh, but the city of Jerusalem yeah, continues it, to grow. Why Ramut feels a little yeah. bit different is that we're on the other side of the valley. So right, right. there is a geographical separation because there's uh, a deep valley, which, by the way, is a beautiful totally. space to go walking and to go hiking. And today I went hiking through it uh, earlier this morning and saw gazelles and foxes and all kinds of animals. It was great. But that that's amazing, separates right? us from Jerusalem. Yeah, that's but so I cool. Can walk that's so cool city. because you're actually in a city. That's what's so amazing about it. That's uh, um, great. I was just out just before this call. I was outside with my kids, and they were outside in this sort of forested area, and they were uh, picking up turtles. It's turtle season, so we've got a few turtles yeah. in our backyard right now that we uh, collected today. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about how you ended up there, because I, I know it is a heavy um, Haredi area, and yes, lots of Americans actually do move to remote. I don't know the difference between Aleph and Bet. I know there's a huge sure. Mall. Um, sure. I, I know if you keep going up the road, it's you. You come to Givat Zev. That's right. So, so you take across from me. If I look out my window and I look to the south, I see Harfatzim, uh, Romania. Right. But don't worry about that. Evan, Evan, tell me how you how you decided on remote. Right, yeah. So we looked at a number of communities. We did several pilot trips. We looked at um, Efrat. We looked at Modi'in. We looked at, uh, um, you know, Pardes, uh, what is it, Pardes Khana? Khana. We looked at Ranana. We looked all over different communities. And we just kept coming back to the idea that for us, if we were able to, we just loved the idea of being in or around Jerusalem. Um, I preferred personally to be in a more rural environment, and my wife preferred something more urban. And we seem to have found the perfect solution here in Ramat because we have all of the city benefits, and our kids are in city schools. We we can go down to the shop. You know, we can be there by bus in about 12, 13 minutes. Um, so it feels like you're living in the city when you want to experience that. On the flip side, I can go a week or longer without ever going into the core part of the city, and it feels like I live on a yeshuv or a small kibbutz somewhere. It's really, right. it's really wonderful. I love this neighborhood. Love it. Okay, so that's very smart. Very well put. That's exactly right. You're really just a bus ride away, a very short bus ride away. Interesting. Um, now, you were telling me earlier when we spoke that you had a very good experience uh, with your children integrating into the schools here, which have allowed... Um, you and your wife, each of you separately, to work um, really unencumbered. That was great to hear. Not everyone tells us this. <laughs> it certainly is not true of every family. So tell us, when you say now city schools, I didn't know that your children went to schools in Yerushalayim. And when you say, I mean, is, is that the case? Is that why they had such a wide selection and such success? Yeah, that's, that's certainly one of the benefits. One of the things is when you live in a city like Jerusalem, it's somewhat unique. You have access to the schools of Jerusalem. Um, and that really opens it up. So when we were in Toronto, um, there were some good schools. We were happy with the schools that were in our area. But, um, you know, it's very limited. Uh, even Toronto that has a, a large Jewish community, you know, only has a handful of schools. 
you know, other cities, for example, where I've lived prior, like Calgary, you know, there's really a single school for all of the kids. Once we came to Jerusalem, again, we're, we're kind of, we don't really fit a particular hashkafa. We're not, you know, we're Shomer Shabbos. Um, you know, we keep a very strictly kosher home, etc. But, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not Chabad. I'm not, um, you know, Lipdish. I'm not, you, you can go down the list of things, and I'm not sure that I fit in any specific category. Um, okay. You know, we, we, we dove in at what's a, a Dati Leonis shul here, and we like it very much. But I wasn't sure when we arrived if the schools would all work out. We did a lot of due diligence prior to coming, and we were fortunate to speak to a lot of other families that gave us you know, great guidance. And it good. worked out. It just so happened that the schools that we put our children into worked out to be, you know, really good fit. We were also lucky. Our, our children were young. So our eldest, when we came, was our daughter, and she entered grade one. So we arrived, I can't remember if it was a Wednesday or a Thursday that we arrived here, and the kids started school on that following Sunday. Um, okay, so a, a slow down turnaround. a second, Evan. Evan, you had four kids at the time. Your oldest went into first grade. You had these little kids. Right, right. I mean, this they is a school. You're using the word school. They weren't in school. They're in gun. Right. So, well, our, our eldest daughter went into a proper school. You're right. The other kids went into gun. But even though there's a variety of guns here in our community. I mean, okay, honestly, okay. there's... Evan, you got okay. I, I well, can probably uh, identify <laughs> 10 different guns in the community. And fine, still... fine. But they were young, and that is so changing the story a little bit. I mean, when people come with older children... They have, I, I told you this earlier, and I, you know, it's not so easy. So when you say school, uh, it's not gone. Gone, the kids are easy. They're easy. They barely speak English. You know, they're going to learn Hebrew in six months. So. And semantics, <laughs> you know, for me, for me, I do to this school. But I, I can tell you this, is that, you know, if you, the variety, the options were larger. And again, yeah. you know, it wasn't long. You, you blink and your kids are all in school. So now, know, you know, I've got a daughter who's, in grade seven, my sons are in grade five, grade four, and grade three, and we've uh, added one more to to the crew, and, and she's right. in a in a in a gun, as you say here. Um, yeah. So all the kids they're are in all, school, yeah. and there it's great. My my daughter goes yeah. to uh, Havat Israel, which is a Rappaport program in uh, Telpia. So she buses across town to go to that school, but she loves it. Uh, my two sons go here locally in Ramat, and then our third son, our youngest boy, is in a program that's, you know, for, for children that are um, ADHD, and um, that school is similar hashkathically to the one that my two older boys go to, but it's a little further away in Kizgatzev. And, and just for your well, listeners, we're gonna take in terms a break, of communities... We're going to take a break. Stay with us. We're going to be back after this, after this commercial break. Sure Hi, I'm Steve Miller. And I'm Matt Zucker. Join us for Lighten Up, where we take a look at the week's current events in Israel and from around the Jewish world through a humorous lens. If you've been paying attention during these crazy times, you know that it's a challenge to parody life anymore. 
but join Steve and I as we give it the old college try. Not only is being happy an obligation, but life is just too short to take it all so seriously. So join me, Steve Miller, and me, Matt Zucker, for a Lighten Up every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Israel, only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Zipinski. We're continuing our talk with Evan Helte, who made Aliyah from Winnipeg with his family in 2015 and lives in Ramot. Now, he wants to tell everyone a little bit more about this amazing neighborhood right outside of Jerusalem, Ramot, which is considered Jerusalem. It's considered Jerusalem, but it doesn't feel like the crowded uh, part of Jerusalem. So um, go ahead, Evan. Tell, tell our listeners what you were telling me. Sure. So, Ramot is one of the two largest districts in Jerusalem. The largest, as I understand it, is Pisgat Ze'ev. When I say largest, I'm talking about in terms of population. Ramot is currently the second largest, but it's growing rapidly. It's approximately 60,000 people that live here in Ramot. It's kind of considered one of the sort of ring neighborhoods, the ring areas around Jerusalem. So, it's on the outskirts of the city. But Jerusalem is very densely populated and relatively small in geographic space. One of the benefits of being here, of course, as I mentioned earlier, you have access to all of the city services, and yet it feels as though you're outside of the core part of the city because you are. You can breathe, there's air, it's not, it's not densely <laughs> populated, it's, there's not horn talking, it just, it, it just has a really gentle feel to it, and it's, it's really, really nice. You're, you're missing um, something really very obvious. That I, I, Evan, I've got to jump in here. Evan, I've got to jump in here, okay? I want you to, you're painting a picture, but you're not saying something very clear to me. Now, I've been to Ramot, and some of our listeners may have been there, but for those of you who have been to Jerusalem, you're thinking crowded streets, old buildings, and you're thinking buildings, apartments. In Ramot, they have houses. Evan, right, so we're fortunate. We live on the edge of the Jerusalem forest. Literally, if you know, if you were visiting my home and you walk down the path, the forest begins on the right-hand side. If you walk down on the trail, on the left-hand side is our entryway. So the two lower communities, the first ones you enter if you come from Jerusalem, are Ramot Aleph and Ramot Bet. And those communities are rather mixed. And when I say mixed, I mean that there are um, everything from, you know, secular to more modern Orthodox, to Haredi, etc. The whole gamut is covered in these communities. The areas that are higher up are traditionally more Haredi. Um, so that's kind of the mix. We live in those lower areas, and we're also very fortunate because it's home. The lower section in Ramot are, are cottages or houses, and some of them have very large yards, and it's, it's fantastic. And then the next level up are more like townhomes, and then the higher level are apartments. But they're all beautiful. I've been in many people's homes, the houses, the townhomes, the apartments, and they're beautiful, spacious, with gorgeous views of, of Jerusalem. It really is. It's, it's a tremendous, tremendous community. We're, we're blessed to live right. here. Yeah, so people listening are probably thinking, okay, well, if it's, not, it's all beautiful like that, how much does it cost? Now, is the cost 
um, much much lower than being in Jerusalem proper? Or is it still a fortune? Um, you know, I'm not so familiar with all the pricing across the city. It's certainly not inexpensive. Anything in, you know, very tight to Jerusalem is going to be um, reasonably expensive. But I do believe it's a fair bit less on a per square, per square meter basis than, say, you know, Katamon, uh, the German colony, Baca, those areas that are, you know, really, uh, really expensive. This is a little bit less so. And one of the reasons why I think that's the case is there's less competition for these apartments. A lot of families that have second homes here in Israel, very often they want to be in walking distance to the old city. Where we live in Ramad, it's a heck of a walk. You could do it, but it's an hour. It's a good hour's walk from here to the old city. Um, so there are a number of people in my community that do it regularly, but most families that are thinking about a second home probably aren't thinking about living, living in what's more, if you will, a suburban neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll highlight something else that's in this neighborhood that's very interesting. So right below us is the area that's called Mutzah. This is one of the traditional neighborhoods where the Levine in biblical times would go to collect the grapes and then take grapes to the base of Mikdash. Another thing that's in our neighborhood is the burial spot of um, Samuel or Shmuel Hanadi, Samuel the prophet. So that's just up behind us here, and it's a beautiful spot that's up very high, overlooking all of Jerusalem. Um, I was actually there just last week. My son. When, when you drive, yeah, when you drive um, past remote tours, Givatzev, you pass Shmuel Hanavi, and yeah, you got it. Yeah, it's it's the highest point. You see it on the right. In fact, Ramot was recaptured during the Six Day War in '67. And the Jordanian forces were positioned up along Kebr Shmuel Hanavi because it's such a high point, and they were firing missiles into Jerusalem from that location. So it was a very strategic location, uh, which which Israel was able to capture in '67. It was of extreme importance. Um, yeah. And now that area, right. all the way through there, it's Jewish developments, you know, spot after spot. Uh huh. Yeah. Have you been up there to Shmuel Hanavi, the fortress? Yeah, I was saying, I was up there last week. My son is studying Navi. My, my eldest son, who's 10, was studying Navi. He, he specifically was studying Samuel the prophet. So I just thought it was funny. He asked me if I would learn it with him. And I said, I'll learn it with you, but we're going to go somewhere special to learn it. And we went and we sat and we learned it inside the kever of Samuel the prophet. So we actually mm-hmm. went to the spot where the story took place. One of those only mm-hmm. Israel moments, legitimately. And it was really fun. It was a really nice experience to sit with him and learn it and to be able to walk around that physical space and kind of connect it to what he's learning. It's really special. So interesting. So I've been there too. And what was it like there? Let's, I mean, just tell me the truth. Were there Arabs with their donkeys? Could you park your car? Um, Arabs run that site. Right. So technically, that land is over the green line. It's, you know, it is over the Green Line, and it is, it's, it's disputed territory. So you're correct. Um, although that's an Israeli national park, and there's been a significant amount of archaeological work there over the last few years, um, if you take a look at the cards, you'll see there are many, many Palestinian plates there. But it's one of those spots where both groups seem to be working 
uh, and observing, you know, looking after each other, if you will, because it is bizarre. it's a financial yeah, it benefit bizarre. for both groups. So there's actually, the, the synagogue is where the actual um, tether, where the burial spot is. Up in the front Beautiful. is a mosque, and they alternate dates and times when it's being used. And the whole uh. thing is actually in, enclosed within a crusader fortress. It's a really interesting it spot and something really it great. Most people have seen it. Yeah. In almost any spot in Jerusalem, you can see it because it's so high up above the city. Yeah, it's very well done. Um, except for the chickens and donkeys that are, you know, <laughs> walking all around. And uh, it's crazy. Yeah, you know? it, Every time it, I've been it's there. Been it's been on, it's very popular, like, for example, on Holomed, Moed, with Pesach coming up. It's a spot where a lot of people go, and they go, and they go on donkey rides and camel rides and horse rides oh, and, you know, know what have you. It's, it, it, it's a bit odd. I actually walk up there a fair bit through the valley very regularly. Um, mm -hmm. I walk up through that valley often with my kids all the way up to, um, to Shmuel Hanavi, to the Kever. Uh, we've done that mm -hmm. several times. It's kind of a fun thing to do on Shabbat. It takes us about sure. maybe an hour, hour and ten minutes. So it's the, almost the opposite direction from walking downtown towards the center of the city or the old city. It's in the opposite direction. It's north towards Modi'in. All right. Well, this is one of the, the benefits of living in Israel. Everything, every word coming out of your mouth is a geographic and historical, you know, biblical reference. And it's just amazing to me, you know, that we, you and me and whoever lives here can pretty much just hop in their car and go to these places and see them for what they are. And most people just read them on the pages of these old books. That's amazing. And you live right there. Oh, fantastic. Um, I, I mean... And you, I, just, let me give you a summary of just a couple things I, I did today in my neighborhood. In the morning, I went through an area here, which is a biblical garden. A, a gentleman was out walking his dog about 10 years ago and kind of fell into a pit. And it turned out what he fell into was an ancient wine press that's believed to be from sometime between the first and second temple period. So that's all been redeveloped, and they call it the biblical garden now. And it's beautiful. I walked through there earlier today. And then in the afternoon, I went with a friend and I was at the mall, which is a modern mall with, you know, towers above it. And I sat with my friends and we, we had lunch in the mall. Those two things are, you know, six or seven minutes away from each other in an area filled with school and community centers and apartments and condominiums. It's, it's an incredible neighborhood to live in because you have all of those benefits and so much of this history, and then also the forest. So it feels mm -hmm. like, you know, you're, just feels very free and very, you know, very open. It's really nice. It's, uh, it's got a great feeling yes. to it. Yes, like a suburb, almost like a suburb. Um, yeah, it is, very, very much so. And then so quickly you're in the city. You know, there's several buses you can jump on, and before you know it, you're in the center of town. And you can eat. By the way, when you get there, the stop, the first stop in town is the central bus station. So from there, you've got a light rail. You can jump on a bus and go on anywhere. Or you can take the high-speed rail, and you can be at the airport in Tel Aviv, you know, relatively quickly. Yeah, that's amazing. That has changed um, lives. <laughs> Made things really, really fast and very modern. Um, for all of you listening, oh, if you haven't ever yeah, heard yeah. of Remote, you know, it's one of the neighborhoods I guess I jump over because I think you, Evan, are the first guest I've had to speak about this neighborhood, but it really is something, um, a place to consider. 
um, it's it's not just you know because of the proximity, but it really is a beautiful suburb of Jerusalem. So stay well, with us. We have a, we have a break coming up. We have a break coming up, Evan. Stay with us. I'd like to hear about your career and okay. how you've managed that with your Aliyah. So, so just stay with us. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany is but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel, Phantom Nation, every Monday. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Zapinski. We're continuing our interview with Evan Helte from Winnipeg, who made Aliyah in 2015 uh, with his family and children, Listen Remote. And we're just talking now about all these things he wants to share, telling us about the, um, the extension of the light rail that is going to be going all the way west into Givatzev. We're going to cover that. We're going to cover... Um, what else are you going to talk about? A new bus station, and then we're going to talk about your career. All right, Evan, tell us about this um, light rail project that I was surprised to hear about. Sure. So they are extending the light rail, which is something that's primarily downtown, but has um, has a reach all the way out to Pizgat and the Yaakov area. So that's um, a little bit further to the east than where we are. They are in the process of developing another line that will run from central Jerusalem all the way through through Ramat, all the way through Harshmuel, and all the way up finally to Yibat Um And that is in the plans that's approved, and it will happen over the course of the next few years. I can't give you an exact time, uh, and even if I could, it probably wouldn't match reality. But that is happening. The other thing I wanted mm-hmm. to mention is we have this area called Summit Ramat. So it's basically, you know, where all the different Ramat neighborhoods connect, the conjunction at, at the base of Ramat. And they've opened up there a second central bus station. So right now you can catch buses to all locations pretty much around Israel from that spot. And why did they open that up? Because it was part of the government's plan to try and reduce the number of people traveling into the center of city to help lower the amount of traffic volume. And it makes a lot of sense, because if you think about these large communities like Ramat, uh, uh, um, Ramat Shlomo, Pizgatzev, Yivatzefartit, etc., it, it seems odd that all of these people are traveling into downtown Jerusalem, only then to turn around and have to drive back through these communities as they head north and west towards the oh, central yeah. part right. of Israel. So that's why they've developed another, uh, a secondary central bus station right here on the edge of Vermont. So those are a couple of things I wanted to mention that are other benefits of Vermont, the highway system. Um, from where I live, I can be in Tel Aviv, you know, depending on traffic, in 50 or 55 minutes. The first light that I will hit leaving Vermont going to Tel Aviv will be in Tel Aviv. And very shortly... 
Similarly, if I want to go out towards Ma'ale Dumim or go further out towards uh, the Dead Sea, etc., there will be no light uh, encumbering me on that journey either. Uh, that journey out to the Dead Sea will take less than 25 minutes. Uh, already now, it's not so long, but there's that one little conjunction up at the top there near French Hill that's uh, problematic. Um, another thing I wanted to mention about Ramot that I think your, your listeners might find interesting is just the variety of Olim that live here. So at our shul, which is called Mitzpeh Ramot, I believe we have over 30 countries represented from our membership of roughly 135 family members. Um, mm. Many Canadians and Americans, Israelis, Australians, etc., but also people from many other countries. Um, all over Europe, Central and South America, several from Asia. It's really an amazing community that's, you know, learning and dabbling all, all together. It's a, it's a really beautiful that's, thing. That's, that's wonderful. Um, I'm going to ask you a, a very natural question, which we, you told me earlier on your own, but your Hebrew, your Hebrew language skills. Um, you're mentioning all these foreigners at your shul. I'm guessing, you know, you can get by with your English just fine living where you live. For good or bad, I get by with my English. Um, it seems as though the vast majority of families that are moving into a month are English speakers, um, which is very comforting, but it, it hasn't assisted me with my Hebrew skills. My Hebrew skills, sadly, are, are relatively poor. I'm already at that stage where my kids are, you know, helping me uh, translate some bills and deal with the odd phone call that uh, is beyond my level. But I aspire to be a better Hebrew speaker. I haven't given up. Now, do. I we should tell do. you, I'm another reason is, we you know, are... we talked a little bit about the work that I do. And I work U.S. hours. I essentially work Eastern Standard Time, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, I have a business that's called Expert Online Training, and it is... Um, web-based staff training for those that work at summer camps and parks and recreation centers and after-school care. Um, so it's video-based training, and most of my clients are U.S.-based. So I'm also speaking English, you know, all day. I'm writing communication exclusively in English. Um, and, you know, that also, I think, uh, has made my landing here in Israel very, very gentle, very soft, if you will, which is great. But it hasn't forced me to break my teeth, as they say, on learning on learning Hebrew. Okay, um, not uh, not not the end of the world. We are olim. We are immigrants, and our children are the reason we came. They will have a different life, a different experience, and yeah, a different language, different culture. Yeah, of course. Um, I think. Yeah. I, I do want to learn more Hebrew. I think it's worthwhile to try and do so that it can be conversational. It's just very comforting to be able to do those things and be able to hear people speaking and have uh, some understanding. But in terms of getting by with English, can you do it? Absolutely. Uh, you know, the vast majority of people in my community are not fluent Hebrew speakers. Uh, in, in my, when I say in, in my direct circle, if you will. Um, you know, when we get together collectively, it's in English. When we're at shul... Aside from the davening, we're speaking English. Uh, when we're going out for meals in our group or getting together for activities, it's done in English. When we're communicating on social media or using things like WhatsApp, it's done in English. Right. 
So all of you listening, and if you think uh, Hebrew is this barrier that you have to overcome, you really don't need to. Now, we've had people come on the show saying the exact opposite, telling us to prepare, to take ulpan, to learn some Hebrew phrases. That is all true. It is. It is all true. You know, learn some Hebrew phrases. Um, it's You should. But can you make it here in English? Yes, you absolutely can. And... Um, you have a community, right, that we're talking about right now, they all operate in English. There are other communities where people speak English. There are communities like this all over the world where natives from one country live together speaking their native language. It's no different here. We're, we're all immigrants. And um, that's not something that should hold you back from making Aliyah. It really should not. No, I, uh, I think wonderful. you're spot on. There are communities in Israel also that are more attractive for Olim that perhaps speak French. Um, right. There are communities in Israel that are more attractive for those who speak Russian as a first language. So it right. depends where you are. But right. more and more so, I think people are finding that you know English is a, a strong secondary language here, and in some communities, frankly, it's the first language. Uh huh. Uh, what I also found interesting was um, how you made these pilot trips. Now people stopped doing those uh, during Corona. It was it was just impossible. So people had to rely on word of mouth, on social media, on um, their friends and contacts, everything online. And I wonder if the pilot trip is just gonna is just gone now, because so many people are here. Why why bother? You know, you have enough people here to to give you um, you know firsthand knowledge of these neighborhoods. And then another piece of advice that people have been giving our listeners, and I agree with, is come here and rent first. Rent a place. See how you like it. And you can purchase your home a year later, two years later. What do you, um, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, I think if you're in a position where you're able to do that, it's great. Listen, you know, there are silver linings to everything. And one of the silver linings for COVID is that people found that in many positions where they were certain they weren't going to be able to work from home that they had to be in the office. It's just not really the case. Um, I found that with my business myself. You know, I, I maintain an office in Toronto and I have staff there and I always thought that they would have to be together to develop that synergy, et cetera. And when we were forced to work remotely, we discovered that we were able to do so pretty effectively. So if you're going to work remotely um, and, and you don't need to be in, in a central office, then then location doesn't really matter, you know? The same reason why you might want to leave New York City and not pay extravagant rent. You know, what's the difference if you're in New York or you're here? I'm working the same hours as somebody in New York. Although, you know, for part of the year, obviously, on Friday, it's, it's a little bit different. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm putting in those same hours. In fact, because of the school schedule here and because of the timing, I'm actually allowed to work. I have more hours available. I can do my writing and my business development during the day, and then I work in the evenings if I need, on regular schedule with my clients that, that are in the United States. And by the way, whenever they find out where I am, um, they're all, it, it's always a discussion topic. They always find it interesting and want to know more. It's, right. I think it's turned out to be a real benefit for my business, not Isn't a that interesting? Right. It's not something you need to hide. Um, yeah, it, it's true in, in many professions. And uh, you put, and you get the seven hour. You, you basically get seven extra hours to work. That's the funniest thing I ever heard, but it's true. So you can work day when everyone in America is sleeping, 
And then you can work their daytime, which is our evening, right? So you get all this work done first. And it's kind of funny to say, oh, we get to work more. But you, you kind of do get an edge. You, you do get an edge. You, you have that option because I'm up anyway, you know, helping to get the kids off to school and then running over to school to daughter. And then when I come home, I've got the day ahead of me. So I spend some of that time going and doing a bit of my writing, etc. And then yeah. I don't necessarily work a full, like, nine-to-five kind of day at night. I try to schedule my calls. So instead of starting at nine, it's about 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time so I can pick up the kids or see them when I, they get home and interact with them. And then I go into my yeah. office and I make my calls and the kids understand You're that I'm working. You're out of time, Evan. We've got to cut you off. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Anyone with questions, please contact me and I'll shoot the email right over to Evan. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.